0: Thanks to Sana Skin Studio for supporting The Know Podcast. Sana is a skin studio that is shifting the relationship with your skin and your products through goal-driven facials, real guidance, and clean skincare. Stay tuned for our promo code so you can receive $25 off of your first facial at Sana Skin Studio. Welcome to The No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. What is up everybody you are listening to the note with me nikki spo and i am grateful to have you tuning in today if you followed me on social media for a while now then you know that i am pretty open about well most things but that which include motherhood i have three kids which is so hard to believe for me because there was actually a point in my life that i truly did not believe that i wanted to have children You know, this is because of my past trauma and I really had to work through and heal from that, which I mostly did while I was pregnant, but continued to do while I was raising my firstborn, throughout my second pregnancy, and through my sobriety journey. And whenever I have spoken in the past about not wanting to be a mother, yet becoming one and thus loving it, I have always treaded lightly and have tried to hold space for all those women who want nothing more than to become mothers. When today's guest, Jessica Lorian, popped on my radar, first of all, I was fascinated, and I just thought that she would be the perfect person to highlight for my audience. Jessica has spent the past 13 years as a professional actor and voiceover artist in New York City. And now as the host and producer of the Mamas in Training podcast, she supports pregnant women and inspiring moms on their journey into motherhood. What makes her show different from other pregnancy and motherhood podcasts is that she's not yet a mom. An autoimmune disease has delayed her journey into motherhood, and she has decided to learn right alongside her audience. Her mission is to spread the importance of studying motherhood, okay? She intends to use her voice and desire to connect with women everywhere to share the lessons she has learned and give community to those in need. Oh, and Jessica's own podcast, Mamas in Training, is in the top 1.5%, y'all. Mad respect. Let's get started with Jessica Lorian. So Jessica Lorian, back from Bali. That sounds really nice. I mean, you are fresh off of your trip to Bali. Wow, you must be zenned out, girlfriend. Oh my gosh.
1: It's one of those things like, so I live in New York City and you always have this certain energy of the city going, you know, but coming back from being in a place that's just really puts you self and just like groundedness first. So I was coming back thinking like okay, how do I create more time and space for me for like settling into myself um, so I'm still working through that, but it, it's a challenge getting back to walking through Times Square and, and being in Manhattan riding the subway. I'm like, it's a little bit of an adjustment. I actually
0: go through this like weird thing. If I've been like traveling away from home for a long time, then I get home, I go through like a weird depression and not that I'm depressed, but it's like a lower vibe moment where I'm like having to readjust to my home, even though my home is my haven, you know, like I love my home so much, but it's like this weird transitional period. So I can only imagine coming back to a hustling, bustling city like New York from Bali. Um, it's probably an adjustment, but hopefully during our conversation, once we get to talk about your three pillars of transformation, we'll kind of get to break down that a little bit to see how it can apply to your current situation, but in life in general, because I know you're helping so many women.
1: Yeah. And I think that was it, you know, as I sort of reflect back on my trip to and the three pillars, it all kind of connects back together. I think it's just allowing yourself time and space for whatever it is that you need. Um and this trip was really, you know, it's funny because when I think back to the 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 trip, like Bali is very busy. There's a lot of people. I was stuck in traffic, you know. But it's just a different type of an energy. And I think too, when you give yourself that time and space to be alone, to be in a place that's new, that's unknown, to talk to strangers, it just kind of opens you up in a different way. So so let's dive right in
0: here. Tell me about how at 27 years old, you wound up having to walk with a cane.
1: I, I'm an actor. That's originally why I came to New York. Um, I started off doing first theater and now I do a little bit more TV film commercial, but love theater. And I was in the process of auditioning for a ton of fairly big jobs. And I don't know what it quite was that set it all off, but I started developing a little bit of spots all over my body. And I think ultimately spots. it came out from- yeah Spots. Okay. Like dark like, spots? Light spots? No, like I, I thought at first it was bed bugs actually. Okay. Being in New York City and, you know, whatever. You're like um, a, now. You're like wonky apartment, maybe. Like, yeah. you never know. Yeah. Well, I was subletting from somebody at the time and I was like, you know, I don't know. This is not really my bed originally. Um, now I kind of wish it that it had been bed bugs, <laughs> but it wasn't. So Cut to, I ended up actually booking a job. It was a national tour, and I was going to be traveling the country. And progressively, as I joined the tour and I started traveling and everything, the spots multiplied and got to the point that I was completely covered head to toe. I mean, minus my face pretty much. From my scalp all the way down to my toes, I was completely covered. And I ended up getting diagnosed with psoriasis. And really the only medication that I was given at the time was an ointment because I wasn't giving anything, anything orally at the time. I wasn't giving anything, um, that's like an injection. It was just an ointment, but it was so bad that I was having to use this ointment like a body butter, like a body lotion, like completely covering my skin. And, and before you this-
0: go on, I, I want to know, like, for the listeners who aren't super familiar with what psoriasis actually is, can you break that down for us?
1: Yeah, it's essentially like an overprocessing of the skin cells. Um, it usually connects back to something in your gut, and it, and it ends up manifesting in the overproduction of your skin cells. And so, what it looks like is dry patches. Okay. Sometimes people think um, eczema or psoriasis eczema, are the I was same say thing. That. Yeah. yeah, very similar. Um, honestly, very hard to notice the difference, um, but it pretty much looks as if you just have like really, really dry patches. Um, but they also become red and elevated off of your skin. So you're using and- this ba- this
0: this ointment as a full body balm.
1: Yes, except it's a steroid ointment, and so it thins your skin. Um, and so, I mean, it would work. I would use it in at night and I'd wake up in the morning and they were not gone, but they were definitely lightened. But I was telling my doctor, I'm putting this on about two times, sometimes three times a day. And he's like, whoa, you got to stop because that's severely thinning your skin. And over time, it's really not good for your skin. So he ended up putting me on um, a biologic and ultimately they lower your immune system. So there's different things that you have to do and prepare for that. But over time, it did end up helping. I was in a place that I just needed something desperately. Um, And I had tried going on certain diets. I tried this crazy like apple diet for three days where I only ate apples. Um, And I I tried gluten-free, but I was not doing gluten-free like in the purest way, I was just eating gluten-free products, which also can sometimes be filled with sugars and other things as well. So I ended up going on this biologic and I don't know, I'm not gonna speak to, you know, what the end result was, but I'll just say a year, essentially a year to the day after starting the biologic, I ended up developing some really severe pain in and around my ankles and my feet. I also developed something else that they thought was psoriasis, but it was actually called vasculitis. And the pain ultimately came from arthritis. So I was then officially diagnosed with the autoimmune disease, psoriatic arthritis, which is the connection between the psoriasis and the arthritis. Um, And it got to a place that I was still performing and I actually couldn't perform though. I mean, as an actor, you really pride yourself on not missing shows, up on doing your job. And it was the first time that I had to call out of shows that I was really thinking like, okay, this is this is pretty intense and this is pretty severe. But ultimately, once I left tour, I tried to come back to New York. I had to buy a cane because I literally couldn't walk around the city. Um, and it ended up leading to me actually having to, to move back home for about four or so months and live with my parents. Where's home? uh, Massachusetts. Yeah. So it's not too far, but um, I knew that I couldn't conquer this city, the subway, all the walking. I could not do that in the condition that I was in. And so you
0: are now medication-free. So how did that,
1: how did that,
0: what was that transition like, like when that journey?
1: Yeah. Well, so when I got diagnosed with the arthritis, um, the doctor that I then started seeing immediately took me off of the biological medication and he ended up putting me on another medication, um, which was essentially, it's called methotrexate. Many people might've heard of it. It's used to uh, treat some levels of cancer. Um, it's very strong. You have to limit your drinking. Uh, and the biggest thing is for me at the time was that you absolutely can't get pregnant on it. if you do, the fetus basically would be in too much danger and you'd have to have an abortion. So so my question
0: after this one was going to be, if you were trying to conceive before you received first this diagnosis, but secondly, like before switching to this medication.
1: Yeah, I wasn't. Um, I knew that it was down the road for me. Um, but we, I mean, we were together for about eight and a half years before we even got married. And then we got married, um, and still kind of knew that we needed about like two, three years, something like that. Um, before we could even want to try, we had really put our careers, I guess, first and then knew that that was down the line. So it was, I mean, it was, it was hard, but it was okay for me to go on this medication. And I just knew that in the future, A process, whatever it looked like of getting off of the medication was coming. So it was hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew that, you know, I didn't know, I guess the scariest thing was I didn't know when I started to go off of the medication, what would happen to my body. So, um, it was 2019 that we kind of made the decision, all right, we might be closer on the path to wanting to try. And so um, I made the decision, what I could have done is just gone on another medication, another biologic that is apparently safe for pregnancy. And I could have done that, but I, whether I'm crazy, I don't know or not. um, But I wanted to challenge myself to see if I could essentially heal my body from the inside out and hopefully not be on any medication by the time I was trying to conceive. And how does that work? Well, what I did uh, is I put myself on what's called the autoimmune solution diet, and there are many different types of diets, or as I like to call them, ways of eating <laughs> that um, support an autoimmune disease, that lower your inflammation, that increase you know, positive healthy fats, um, and for me, the way that I operate with everything is I need a plan. I need a schedule. That's the way I operate at the gym and with everything I do. So that's what I needed. And this was a very, you know, black and white plan in terms of what to eat, what not to eat, when to do things and whatnot. And so that's what I did. It's um, Dr. Amy Myers autoimmune solution diet, and it comes with a cookbook and everything. Um, and for me, it, it, it was a path, So I started that in 2019. I started then, that was September of 2019. While you were taking medication. Correct. Yep. And um, I was still on my full dose of medication. And I basically September to January, I was very strict on this diet and followed the entire plan. It was about January that I noticed also just in general feeling much better. Feeling lighter, feeling um, much more energetic, feeling—you know—my digestive system had definitely changed. All of these things, and I was on two different medications. One of them that was five pills. Well, it was five pills a week actually. Um, but then the other medication was a pill every other day. Um, and both of them I had to get off of. And so I, my doctor had told me the best way to do it is like I dropped down from five to four. And then I waited. off of it. Yeah. And slowly, but surely. Um, and it took longer because of COVID, <laughs> um, and not being able to connect with my doctor often, I ended up losing my health insurance and all of this stuff. And so it definitely was a slower process than I planned. Um, and it was 2021. So this past December, um, so it ended up taking, about two years um, till I was fully medication free. And in going off of the medication, there was only one time in that two years that I developed a little bit of discomfort in and around my um, knee actually. And it only lasted a few days and then it went away. Um, But yeah, I mean, then by December, I was 100% medication free knock on wood, I haven't had any other symptoms since. Um, and my opportunity. So once I was off of the medication, I still had to wait several months before the, um, yeah, but I mean, I did it and I don't know what the future holds in terms of my body. And, you know, of course my doctor will say, Oh, well, Oftentimes, these things go in remission. So, I don't know if it's remission. I don't know if I'm completely healed. I will say that I'm completely healed um, and that I healed myself because that's what I like to believe.
0: So, I know a couple people who have dealt with autoimmune diseases, but I also just know so many women, many of them who are close friends who have been or are still on a trying to conceive journey. So, what has that experience specifically been like for you?
1: Really, I wasn't able to try to conceive until somewhat recently. Um, and I think naturally, what happens to everybody, I actually did an episode on my podcast. It's a really quick, like five minute episode, but it's called How to Not Lose Your Mind When Trying to Conceive, um, because it feels, it definitely feels like you're alone. It feels like you're trying not to be crazy. It feels like you're trying not to talk about it. Um, It feels like a lot of things aren't in your control. And that's also a lot of how I felt when I was going through this autoimmune, like figuring out what was going on. I mean, I felt like I couldn't control what was happening with my body. And it wasn't until I gave myself an opportunity to control something like my diet that I felt like I could take back some of that. Um, So I think it's really important whenever you're going through any type of journey, but especially something like trying to conceive or some sort of health journey when you feel like you have no control, like focusing on the things that you do have control over, whether that's your mental state, your physical body. Um, And so many things, you'll hear stories of people that try to conceive for years and years and years. Maybe they even go through adoption or they go, yeah, IVF. And then all of a sudden they kind of like let it go. They're living their life and then they naturally get pregnant. I think, yeah, I think a lot of that though has to do with our like mental connection, you know, that like the health of our brain, the health of our um, stress levels, Um, all of these things in our body are definitely connected uh, and it's really hard to make big changes like that. But I think if we put the effort in to, you know, manage our stress, to increase what my therapist calls are glimmers, you know, the things that really feel good to us, the things that light us up, the thing that, things that make us glimmer. Um, and we lower things that maybe cause us stress, whether that's people in our lives, whether that's, you know, different, um, jobs or requirements that we have, um, and just kind of focus No one likes to hear this when they're trying to conceive, but just trying to focus a little bit more on being, existing, and what you need as a whole person, um, I think that can only increase our chances. So I love that you
0: sort of outlined a couple of the ways in which you've done that, right? Like giving yourself the glimmer and then kind of like suppressing the things that might bring you stress or anxiety or just aren't beneficial to your life. Because I think a lot of times, even listening to you, I'm like, yeah, sure. This is easier said than done. Like, yeah, yeah, I want to lower my stress. Like, yeah, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's it's really hard, you know, in the hustle bustle of everyday life to actually implement strategies to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of intention and it's just, you know, patience and practice. I always say like, it's called a practice because it takes practice, right? So if it's like a meditation practice, it's called a meditation practice because it takes practice. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've sat there meditating, being frustrated with myself because I'm not doing it right. Or I can only (laughs) do it. My my, my mind keeps like flying off in a different direction, but- But You're doing it. But I'm doing it. And the more I do it, the more practice I get. Like you don't wake up knowing how to play the piano, you know, it takes practice. And so when we approach removing stressors in our life, and that's not to say to eliminate stressors in our life because that's impossible. And I think that like having that mindset is almost like setting ourselves up for failure, but Mm -hmm. limiting them and like at the very least paying attention to which stressors we are allowing to take hold in our lives
1: Yes, can really make a lot of difference. Something that I mentioned a minute ago too that is essential that we might not even think about are people. <laughs> like there there might really be like people or conversations or um, you know, there might be a certain type of support that you're giving somebody else, whether it's a friend or a family member or a coworker or whatever, that is just weighing on you. That oh my gosh, girlfriend.
0: I can totally relate to that. Like on a personal anecdote, and I, I share these a lot, Jessica, in my in my podcast, because I feel like our personal anecdotes like make people feel less alone. Like they're like, "Oh yeah." So I have had to cut out like a really serious, not a serious, it is a serious relationship, but a valuable relationship in my life that I was just like, "Okay, we can't talk about this anymore." Like I am unable to go to you for support. I cannot have these conversations anymore. Um, and I have this sort of reputation of like being really hardcore about like cutting people out. Right. And I've gotten this rep of like, well, you don't want to hear anything. Like if people don't agree with you, you don't, you just cut them out of your life. And it's not just, it's not about surrounding yourself with people who like spoon feed you and give you the the stuff that you want to hear and that they don't disagree with you. It's about an energy exchange that helps you or doesn't help you feel supported and safe. So I want to clarify something about like, we're not just cutting people out of our lives because we don't like to hear the tough things about ourselves. We cut people, places, and things out of our lives that don't make us feel safe and supported even when they might tell us something that we don't want to hear or reveal to ourselves something we don't want to see because healing and growth happens when we face the things that we don't always want to see. You know, that's one path to healing and growth is like when we face the things about ourselves that we don't want to feel or see. And, you know, there's going to be so many people in our lives that reflect that back to us experiences in our lives that reflect that back to us, you know, but when our relationships begin to do that in a way that is harmful if I have to have the reputation of being like snip, snip, snip,
1: bitches, <laughs> like I'm gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like well, and the other thing about it too is it doesn't necessarily have to be a total cutting. It doesn't. It can just be like, what are your boundaries? exactly. And like in the beginning, when you mentioned the three pillars, they're advocacy, planning and preparing, and community. And so, first of all, you need to advocate for yourself. Like, you know, I have the, the same situation where I have somebody in my life that I have to, and have had to for years and years and years. You know, I can't cut this person out of my life. It's a family member, but I need to know where my boundaries are. Right. In terms of answering the phone, answering Mm. the text, Mm -hmm. being available. When am I allowing myself to be available? Is it on my time or is it on their time? Yeah. Um, So I think that. That's part of it too. And oftentimes as women, we get the reputation to give, give, give. We tend to do this a lot, which is great and fine, but we also have to know when we're giving to ourselves and sometimes not answering the phone or answering when we are able is a little gift that you're able to give to yourself.
0: I also think like tolerating, you know, the aversion to that because like like you're saying, women are expected to give, 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 give. And then once we set boundaries, like people don't like that. Like some people don't like that, right? Like there's going to be some, obviously like people who respect your boundaries, but if people have been used to taking advantage of you or just like using your support or whatever it is at their convenience, and you start to set boundaries, that's not always welcomed, by the person or whatever that you're setting a boundary with, you know, and it, it, it definitely can rock the boat. Um, when especially- at
2: Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new
1: idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
2: Introducing Wondersuite from bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite.
0: Actually, women start to speak up for themselves. This conversation is so good. But before we keep going, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsors, Sana Skin Studio. The best way for me to describe Sana is that it feels like coming home. Unlike traditional facials, Sana's facials are rooted in education, and I love this so much. Every experience I've had at Sana has been a chance to learn more about my skin and its needs. I love that the facials are effective while also being accessible enough to be a monthly ritual rather than a yearly splurge. I'm honored to be able to provide our audience with a promo code. Use the code Glow for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via sanaskinstudio.com. You talk about the three pillars of transformation, and I really want to do a deep dive into these. And so, for anybody who is listening and taking notes, the three pillars of transformation are advocacy, preparation, and community. So, let's do a deep dive on each of those, Jessica.
1: Yeah. I mean, advocacy for me is like something that we just talked about, it comes in so many different forms. For me, specifically, on my transformation of my health journey. And when we, when I say transformation, like it can be any sort of transformation. It can be health-related, job-related, um, like goal-related. When you're becoming a mom, you know, that's a transformation in and of itself. There's so many different transformations that we go through over our life. But in advocacy for me, When I mentioned going back to um, when I first developed my psoriasis and then I started getting pain and developed something else called vasculitis, the vasculitis is the swelling of your blood vessels. And when it first started, it came up as additional spots, different looking and different feeling spots than my psoriasis. And when I approached my doctor about it, I said, can you please do a biopsy to tell me what These things are because this looks very different. And he said, Oh, that's just your psoriasis. I was like, Okay, but for me, like it feels different. It looks different. It hurts in a different way. Like, can you please just do a biopsy? He once again said, I'm 99% sure. I had to go back and forth with him four times before I essentially demanded I want and need a biopsy. And thank God I did because it came back that it was vasculitis and it wasn't psoriasis. And in addition, when I went to my other doctor and I said, okay, I discovered I got a biopsy and I discovered that I have this now. He said, well, I'm really glad that you got the biopsy because had we treated it like psoriasis and didn't address the vasculitis side of this, it could have ultimately affected other organs in your body and led to more problems. So That was, you know, there are so many moments in our lives, especially as women, but that we have to really check in. Like you have lived with your body for 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever it is, years. You know your body best. And there's 100% a place and a time and a value for the medical field. And I'm not going to get into the medical world and, how you know, things like that, but we respect them but we also sometimes give them way too much credit and we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we think and know about what our body's going through. Um, Or even if it's something like, you know, we're talking about career and we're talking about advocating like for the people in your life, or say you are trying to conceive, maybe the people on Instagram or some of your closest friends who are having an easy journey, maybe it's time to mute them on social media. Maybe it's to ask for space from some of them and say, like, this is not a personal thing. This is a me thing. Like, I need space. Um, Maybe you're postpartum and you're experiencing, you know, a challenge with X, Y, Z, and maybe you need to advocate, like, Aunt Sue can't come over. Like, no, Aunt Sue's energy is too much for me right now, you know? So advocacy can look like many different versions and can come in many different shapes and forms but advocating for yourself is so essential throughout any type of a transformation or period in your life. So advocacy also isn't something
0: that's like just aggressive, right? I think that sometimes some people might think like oh if I advocate for myself this is an act of like aggression or it has to be intense like or something. Right. <laughs> but we something as simple like the the point that you made about like maybe muting somebody on Instagram or just not following them or like you know that's not an act of aggression that is like that is that is self care 100% and i i've completely related to that you know like i i actually jessica talk a lot have spoken in the past about my journey into motherhood and how i did not want to become a mother and here i am with three children right like and and today i love being a mom you know and it took a lot of my own healing and just emotional work and you know recovering old memories that had programmed me to to feel this way about motherhood and i used to feel really guilty like there's so many moms out there who and and families who want so desperately to have a baby and i don't want children and here i am pregnant you know i had those feelings a lot like throughout my first pregnancy and it wasn't that i didn't want my son right it's not that i didn't want him i was just terrified of what being a mother would mean for me. And so there'd, there'd be all these pregnant ladies on Instagram, like, I love this. And I'm like, I hate this. Right. Or how many times that I've, I'm probably the one who has been muted, like, because I have three beautiful, healthy children and you know, somebody that like, that might be triggering for someone, you know, or my postpartum journey. I remember I had to be like, okay, this is just, I need to, I need to chill with like what my expectations are for a postpartum life because it is not what I had in my mind, especially the first time around. And I'm going to need everybody to just be quiet around me. And that includes social media, you know? And, And it's my responsibility to advocate for myself in that way. And it's not always loud. We can do it in ways that are soft and not soft meaning weak, soft Like they don't, they're not so visible to, to other people, but ourselves.
1: But it's also okay. And it's not aggressive. And it's also not soft to say like, I, I don't, you know, I, at this moment, I love this person or I love this situation, but this isn't serving me. And so when it's right, like, XYZ can come back into my life, but one hundred percent, you know that that's not a bad thing. <laughs> so, advocating
0: for yourself is is the first pillar of transformation. Next, we have preparation. What yeah. do you mean by that?
1: Well, so for me, like for example, for me in my um, journey of transformation, like I mentioned, I needed a plan. I needed something mm-hmm. to follow, um, and so that's why I. So you weren't just winging it, right? And yeah. and for some people that works. But I think what I like to encourage, um, I, I, like, I use this phrase called drinking from the fire hose. And so especially when you're talking about entering motherhood, when you're trying to conceive, or even if maybe you've already had your child and maybe you're onto the next journey of parenting or whatever the next step is for you. Drinking from the fire hose is really like taking all of the information in, and especially when you're on a journey of trying to conceive or you're just pregnant, like all of this information can feel so overwhelming. But if we have any sort of opportunity, like especially if we're in the trying to conceive phase, and we take this opportunity to learn everything we can about everything before we even do get pregnant, there's so much that happens in those nine months that if we can take the time ahead of time that's why my podcast is called mama's in training because we're always also training to be better people to be better humans and ultimately if we desire to be moms and so we can train we can teach ourselves we can educate ourselves about all aspects so like an example that i give um for somebody who's like let's say expecting or trying to conceive is like you might picture yourself Um, knowing that you want to breastfeed, for example. But there's also so much value in learning about formula, in learning what types there are, or do you want organic? Do you not care? Look at the ingredients, whatever. Um, What does formula feeding look like? So like we had um, episode 74, I think it is, on my podcast. We talk all about formula feeding. And Erin Moore, who was the guest, she actually recommends purchasing a formula and putting it in your hospital bag because if you might not necessarily be the person that's okay with whatever hospital hospital formula they might give your baby you now have one that is approved by you that if breastfeeding doesn't work out right away, if something goes not according to your plan which it probably won't you know you already have these things ready to go or like another example is learning about a c-section even if you want to have a natural birth, there's an opportunity, there's a possibility that it might not go according to your plan. But if you just have knowledge of what a C-section is, like there's also something called a gentle C-section now that they're doing, um, you could ask if your hospital does a gentle C-section just so that you're aware. Um, And I think we can get really stuck in what we want, what we desire, what our plan is. But if we drink from the fire hose and we take it all in, it'll just lead to a better preparation and all the planning that we'll do will definitely pay off.
0: I love that you're, I just love that you're saying this because I've mimicked this, these two specific examples in two of my podcast episodes recently, two solo episodes that I did. Um, One was talking about my decision not to breastfeed my third child. And one of the, the other episode was my experience having a C-section after having had two vaginal deliveries. Um, And the thing that I did that made... I had the best C-section like ever. Like I was like fist bumping to my music that my doctor let me play in the delivery room. Everybody was so excited and happy. And my recovery has been amazing. And I really credit that to my preparation. Like being really prepared for how it would go. And even in the vaginal deliveries that I had going into it, knowing like how to advocate my, for myself when I didn't want this drug called Pitocin, right? And also knowing what my options would be if I didn't, my labor didn't progress and also knowing what what I would do or how I would mentally be ready for a C-section if it came to that, you know? And I have to say that my three birthing experiences went really well, it doesn't mean they were perfect, but they went really well. And knowing after learning, you know, wow, I really don't like breastfeeding and making a decision for my mental health at going back to your advocacy, right? And then preparing, coming up with a plan on formula feeding my baby. You know, and she's nine weeks old now. Today she's to today she's nine weeks old and so You know, I'm still in the early stages of my postpartum motherhood the third time around. Um, But so far, if I'm applying your three pillars of transformation, the first two where we advocate and we come up with a plan, we prepare, you know, like these are, these are checking boxes here that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. This is reaffirming something that I'm already doing in my life that is working
1: well, so it works. if you. I always say it works if you work it. And I think, you know, ultimately, whether it's our birth plan, whether it's our life plan, like whatever type of a thing that's mm-hmm. going to happen, it's probably not going to go how you expect. <laughs> totally. But, you know, these three pillars at least just – that's why I like to call them pillars because they ground you. They yeah. They you some sort of foundation um, from which to pivot.
0: The third pillar is community, and I love this so much because – what I pride myself for The Know, the podcast The Know, is is that this is a community. You know, it's not about knowing everything. It's about knowing ourselves and celebrating that with others, you know, like the people who are living in their deepest inner knowing and sharing that with other people. Um, I believe that your podcast, Mamas in Training, is creating... a much needed community. And I believe that the No is also doing that. So talk to me a little bit about the community aspect of these three pillars.
1: I did another episode that was a a short um, um, solo episode on how, I think I called it like how to create your mom squad. Oh, I love Um, that. And it really breaks down, even if you're not a mom, don't want to be a mom, it doesn't have to necessarily be that, but it's really breaks down how to, like, it, it's not just looking at your friends and your family, but it's really breaking down every element of how, like, who are these people that you're going to call at this moment? And who are these people going to call, you know, at this moment? Because like we've talked about, people kind of serve different purposes in your life. Um, like, I'm going to call my one girlfriend if I know that I want a prayer. <laughs> and I'm going to call another girlfriend if I know that I just want to laugh and have a little bit of sunshine in my life. Like everybody kind of holds a different place. But the type of community that I really like to talk about, specifically with when you're going through some sort of transformation, whether you're trying to conceive, entering motherhood, postpartum, whatever, is third party community. So it's these online groups, it's these Facebook groups, it's these meetups, it's these, um, you know, communities that meet you where you're at in that. Moment. Um, And I think the beauty of something like a third party community is they're meeting you where you're at right now, knowing nothing of the past. So there's no sort of like preconceived notion, there's no sort of, um, you know, backstory. And especially for people like, you know, you've had three kids. When you went and had your second or third, I'm sure like family and friends were excited for you. But there was also probably, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was probably also a level of like, she's got this. She's done this already. She knows what to do. And so- I think we do that as a society as a whole. Like, right. you have your third kid, you're like, yep. Yeah,
0: I like, I forget to send my friend, my I, I forget to send my friends like a card or a gift. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they have everything. They've got it under control over there.
1: Yeah. And it might not necessarily be that like, you know- You need something material like a card or a gift or like a meal train. But also like they, these people that are closest to you, they don't intend to, but they might not necessarily think to, you know, reach out and ask about how you're feeling postpartum. Um, And so the thing about the beauty of an online Facebook group or these third party communities is they're going to celebrate you the same way as if it's your first or your sixth, you know. When we're talking about having a baby, um, and they're going to also give you, I like to kind of say it's like a mirror effect. So you get to kind of shine a mirror on your experience and compare it in a healthy way. Comparison can also be the thief of joy, but comparing in a healthy way to the place of these other people. So, like for example, say you're in a postpartum group, a new mama group and you're meeting these people, whether it's online or maybe in your neighborhood, you might see yourself reflected in these other people and think like, oh, wow, I'm actually doing much better than I thought I was. Or it might be the opposite. And you might be like, wait a minute, I'm experiencing some things that nobody else here is experiencing. Maybe I need to get a little bit of extra support in this. And so I think that's the beauty of Third party community, uh, and it and it's really essential, and that's why I created Mamas in Training on Facebook. Um, it's a place where women who are future aspiring mamas, um, not necessarily pregnant, or they are expecting, can really just get support from each other and from women who've been there to know, like, yeah, this this stuff is normal. These thing feelings are mo- are normal. These, you know, these situations are normal, and you're not alone. I think this is so beautiful and it just, you know, it,
0: it really has so much to do with my own, my own life. Um, and I work a program of recovery and sobriety and I know firsthand that community keeps people sober, you know, being able to call someone at any hour, like knowing that you go down the list of your call, your, your Rolodex and, and you're going to be able to get in touch with someone who can support you. I do think that older generations, you know, they grew up keeping things private. Like not talking about the problems, right? So this isn't to say like shame on the old generation. It's just like we've now learned that keeping things bottled up doesn't serve us well, and it's not healthy for the most part. Um, and so when 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 people who might not have so much experience, you know, opening up about trauma or difficult moments in life, you know, they see younger people doing it and doing it so effortlessly, it can come off sometimes as attention seeking. And I want to change the narrative about that because it's less about that and it's more about creating um, camaraderie and finding solace in the comfort of other people who are going through similar things.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's also important, like for example, on Facebook, some people don't know this, but if you join a Facebook community, you can also Oftentimes if the Facebook group allows it, like we do in Mamas and Training, you can post anonymously. So I think there's also some sort of beauty in just like sharing your truth, not necessarily even looking. Like people will even put up a comment that says, like, not looking for advice, just needing to put this out into the ether. Um, and whether that's on Facebook or whether that's, you know, someone that you can call and connect with. And some people might say to you, like, I don't really know what to say. I don't know what advice to give. And it's like, you can preface a conversation by saying, I'm not looking for advice. I'm literally just looking for an ear. I just have to vocalize this to someone other than the walls of my bedroom, you
0: know? That's totally true. It's like you can preface something by saying, like, this is what I'm looking for right now, and it's just to be heard or it's just to be encouraged, you know, especially for mothers. I think a lot of us want encouragement. And, I I mean, I can't speak for every mother, but, like, I want to hear that I'm like, you're doing great, mama. Like, you're doing good. Like, you're normal. Like, this is okay. Like, it's normal to cry for no reason. Like, you're doing great. Like you're doing great. Keep going, you know, because it's easy to get lost. But in general, like I'm moved by the fact that like I'm doing something that makes me feel alive that like I could risk sounding like embarrassing myself by sounding stupid or something like that and be like, don't worry, you got this. Keep going anyway. Like, you, I, like I need the
1: cheerleader, you know? Yeah, we all do. And I think and that's part do. of what the community is about, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. At the end of the Mamas in Training podcast, I always have our little slogan that I say, which is we're in this together. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like we can't go through life alone. We can't go through life thinking that we're strong enough, we're superwoman, we're whatever. Yes, all of those things exist and we need our community to lift us up sometimes and that's okay. Absolutely. So what is your advice then for women and families who are trying to conceive? Well, I think it's really to take some time whether it's journaling, whether it's talking with your partner, whether it's talking with your therapist about these three pillars. How are you and will you advocate for yourself? What type of a plan are you on? And I'm not necessarily even saying a plan of like okay, I'm trying to conceive, you know, I'm have I'm having sex every time I'm Ovulating, like that's not the plan I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, what are you doing for your stress level? What are you doing for your relationship? What are you doing to continue to live your life? You know, those type of plans that you might have in place. Um, And then, where is your community coming from? Whether it's joining us over at Mamas in Training on Facebook, whether it's listening to certain, like that's why I love podcasts because you listen to the know, you listen to Mamas in Training. People don't even have to know what it is that you're listening to. You know, you can just put these little earbuds in, you can be doing your grocery shopping on the train, like wherever you are, um, and you can just let information, inspiration encourage you right into the closest part of your. Body and your brain, and it just seeps in, um, and and knowing that you're not alone in this, and I think it's hearing other women's stories, other people's person stories about what they've been through. No matter what it is that you're going through, hearing other people's experiences just reflect back on on what you're doing and how you're supporting yourself.
0: Jessica, thank you so much. Jessica Lorien, she is the host of Mamas in Training podcast. There's a Facebook group that you can find and be a part of. It's been a pleasure to host you today. And really, I think that we're going to help so many women and people, you know, and I don't like to limit this to families. Like when I first made this show, I was like, yes, it's all about women, but it's really not. It's it's about people. It's about all people, you know, and I think that anybody who's listening into these conversations can learn something. And so I hope that we helped people today.
1: Absolutely, I agree. Thanks, Nikki. This is fun.
0: This podcast was brought to you by Sana Skin Studio. Be sure to use my code THE No GLOW for $25 off of your first facial at Sana when booking via SanaSkinStudio.com. More than a Skin Studio, Sana is a movement towards healthier skin and self-love. Thank you so much for listening to the Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful, and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued, and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your
1: dreams.